The following sermon is from Grace Church East County. More information about Grace Church is available at gracechurcheast.org. In J.R.R. Tolkien's book, The Two Towers, the character Sam says to Frodo, his fellow hobbit, I wonder what sort of tale we've fallen into. I wonder what sort of tale, what sort of story we've fallen into. I think those are appropriate words for Christmas. What sort of tale have we fallen into here today? As a family, we watched this week the movie Elf. It's a bit of a tradition for us to watch the movie Elf. Then the next night, we watched the movie It's a Wonderful Life. Now, if you took those two movies and that's all you had to explain Christmas, you would wonder, what sort of tale have we fallen into? Or if you just drove around the neighborhoods, what would you see? In my neighborhood, you'd see Santa, you'd see reindeer, you'd see inflatable snowmen, and you'd see an odd scene of people and angels and farm animals surrounded by a, a surrounding, rather, a little baby. You would be appropriately thinking, what sort of tale? What sort of story is this that we have fallen into? Well, for the past few weeks, we've been seeking to explain that tale. How Christmas is about one person, Jesus Christ, born 2,000 years ago, and yet this baby had two natures, fully God and fully man, a human nature and a divine nature. And he, of course, grew up, lived, died, and rose to fulfill what are called three offices, prophet, priest, and king. And that's what we've talked about this Advent series. Christ as prophet, who reveals God for us. Christ as priest, who represents us before God and offered himself for our sins. And Christ as king, who brings us into his saving, transforming reign, and one day will make all things new. To understand this tale we've fallen into, it helps a lot to understand those three things. Christ as prophet, Christ as priest, Christ as king. Hold all of those three together and you see Jesus as Savior, Savior of the world. But we must understand one more thing about this tale. We need to know the motive. We need to know the heart behind this strange tale. And that's why the kids read to us from 1 John chapter 4. These words on the, on the wall behind me. You see, in John's day, false teachers had said that Christ had not come in the flesh. They had a problem with the human part in those days. So they effectually denied Christmas. They denied that Jesus was fully human and fully divine. And those false teachers have left the church rattled, unsure of what to believe. And maybe you can relate to that this morning. Unsure about what is true of Jesus Christ. Unsure if he really is the giver of eternal life. Well, that's what John's readers were experiencing in ways. So John writes these words to assure them. And in these few verses, he says basically this. Here's my summation, at least. 
that the love you most need is the love come at Christmas. The love you most need in this life is the love come at Christmas. I just have one point this morning. Grace Church members will be glad for a one-point sermon for a change. The love you most need is the love come at Christmas. Let me show that to you. Again, from 1 John chapter 4, this is beginning with verse 7. You still have that, Abigail? It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Notice, because God is love. John says, if you love, you in the church there, if you love one another, though different you are, if you truly love one another, you've been born of God and know God. Why? Because God, he says, is love. God is the source of that kind of love. But what is this love? What is this love that so causes us to love one another? What is such a love that would come and transform our lives to be people who love? Well, that's what he explains next in verse 9. In this, he says, the love of God was made manifest, made known among us, that God sent his only son into the world, so that we might live through him. Now, go back, please. Now, that's Christmas right there. Did you see it? Did you catch it? God sent his only son into the world. That's Bethlehem. That's the manger. That's the strange tale into which we've fallen. God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. And this then he explains in the next verse succinctly. In this is love, he says. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be, and there's that, that big word, the propitiation for our sins. Now, as I mentioned to the kids, that's not a word we use in regular conversation, but we do sometimes hear forms of this word. Sometimes we talk about things happening at a propitious time, a favorable time. Or we say such and such was a propitious event, a, a favorable event, and that's kind of the idea behind this word. That's how God desires to relate to you with his favor, with his grace. Propitiation means a sacrifice that turns aside wrath, that turns aside holy anger to bring favor. Friends, that's the purpose of Christmas. That's the love you most need. Through Jesus' work on the cross for our sins, God's wrath can be taken away from us that you might know his favor. And John says, in this is love. 
The one born at Christmas came to bear God's holy wrath and to bring us favor. But we don't really like to talk about wrath. You don't usually hear messages about wrath at Christmas time, I acknowledge. We'd rather not acknowledge God's holy anger against sin. We would prefer the tale that Richard Niebuhr famously described, that a God without wrath brought people without sin into a kingdom without judgment through a Christ without a cross. That's the tale the human heart would prefer, isn't it? That's the tale the human heart would create. A God without wrath brought people without sin into a kingdom without judgment through a Christ without a cross. We want to think of Christmas without this cross. We want to think of God more like, more like Santa Claus, a grandfatherly figure. He's there for you to call upon him if you need something, if you want something, and hopefully, hopefully you've been good enough. Hopefully you're not on the naughty list. In the comic strip Calvin and Hobbes, if you're familiar with it, Calvin's a little boy. Hobbes is his toy stuffed tiger. Calvin says to Hobbes, his tiger, I'm getting nervous about Christmas. Hobbes, the tiger, says, you're worried you haven't been good enough. Calvin says, that's the question. So what is Santa's definition? How good do you have to be to qualify as good? Are you wondering that this Christmas? How good do you have to be to qualify as good? Oh, Calvin says, I haven't killed anybody. And I didn't start any wars. Wouldn't you say that's pretty good? Wouldn't you say I should get lots of presents? Hobbes replies, maybe the good is more than the absence of bad. And Calvin says, see, that's what worries me. Friends, that's how we can think. I think I'm good enough. I hope I'm good enough. I trust I'm good enough to get what I want. And yet this love of Christmas comes and says, you're not good enough. I'm not good enough. None of us are good enough and never could be. So listen, the worthy one takes the place of the unworthy out of love. It's kind of like this. A sobering story, but I think a helpful illustration. In 1941, three prisoners escaped from Auschwitz. The deputy commander, as a warning to the rest of the prisoners, ordered 10 men to be chosen and starved to death. When one of the selected heard he was selected, he cried out, My wife, my children! At this point, Father Maximilian Kolbe volunteered to take his place. Father Kolbe, a Polish priest, pointed to the condemned man and said, I am a priest from Poland. I would like to take his place. I would like to take his place because he has a wife and children. The commander said, fine. Kolbe took the man's place. They were led away to be starved to death. It is said that in the bunker, it's a true story, Father Colby would lead the men in prayer and singing hymns. 
After two weeks, all had died except for Father Colby. Finally, they executed Father Colby by lethal injection. Those present say he calmly accepted death, lifting his arm to bless his executioners. So Father, took, Father Colby took that man's place as his substitute. I think you could say in love. Friends, that's what we're talking about. The one born at Christmas came to be our substitute, to satisfy God's justice, to set aside God's wrath, and to bring us favor, and the motive was love. But like any analogy, it breaks down. Because God the Father is nothing like that prison commander. It's not as if God the Father is harsh and demanding, and God the Son says, I'll intervene because I'm merciful and you're not. No, the members of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, act with one will and one purpose and one motive, love. So in some way, friends, in some fashion, from eternity past, God the Father said to his beloved Son, out of my love for you, I desire to obtain for you a people we love. And God the Son said, yes, Father, I share the same desire as you do and the same love you share for this people. And God the Holy Spirit said, I will go to accomplish this task and apply this good news and open their hearts to believe. And so God sent his Son into the world to be the propitiation for our sins. In this, John says, is love. Now, I don't know about you, but I realized I don't have any way of really explaining that further. We, we get to a point at which we are at law, a loss for words and looking for categories to somehow grasp that. So maybe... Maybe Jeremiah Burroughs can help us. He was a Puritan preacher in the 17th century. Just listen to what he said. Catch this. He said, all the love, all the love that was ever in any parents toward their children is but one drop of the infinite ocean of fatherly love that there is in God for his people. Let me say that again. All the love that was ever in any parents toward their children is but one drop, one drop of the infinite ocean of fatherly love that God has for you. Now, I recognize not everyone here is a parent. I recognize that not everyone's parents are the most loving. But I think we can still catch his point. Whatever the greatest human love imaginable is for you. Whatever the greatest human love imaginable is for you, that is but a drop of the ocean of God's love. A drop of the infinite ocean of love in God for you that would send his son for you. Are you seeing, friends, how the love you most need 
is the love come at Christmas. My, my simple exhortation to you and to me is to behold this love. As you open gifts or spend time with family or friends, behold the love of God. Behold the love of Father, Son, and Spirit for you. Behold the love that led to the manger and the cross and the empty tomb. Behold the love of Bethlehem and Calvary, a love that could transform you. A love that could have a transforming effect for you. I've been reading this story of a woman's life who encountered that love. Her name is Jackie Hill Perry. And she was living for illicit human loves, as we all do, as we all have. That's every human heart. Living for every other love. Jackie writes how she thought those other loves would satisfy her. But then God began to reveal his love. And she writes this. She said of her kind of internal dialogue. She said, on the other hand, if he was love, if he was love, the embodiment of love without the slightest wrinkle in his robe. What love is, she says, when devils cannot interfere then all other loves must be a lesser love at best. Just a drop in the ocean. She realized this greater love was based on grace, God's favor. And she said, perhaps this love was seeking to help her realize every person, place, or thing she loved more than him could not love her back eternally. Every other love she sought more than God's love, she said, could not love her back eternally. She writes, they would do to me instead what all sin does, separate me from God, and so separate me from true love. So she yielded to that love and found life, as John writes here. Friends, the love you most need and must have, is the love come at Christmas. So maybe you're here and you've not yet known that love. Maybe this is new news to you. Since this is the love you most need, I would urge you to acknowledge your need. Acknowledge your need. Pastor Tim Keller used to say, all you need is need. That's how you encounter this love. All you need is need. Do you see your need? Do you see your need for one to take your place? Do you see your need for one to bear the judgment you and I deserve? Do you see your need for one to turn aside holy anger and bring you favor? Friends, all you need is need. So acknowledge your need. Acknowledge your need for him, for Christ. Or maybe you're here and you realize, you know what? I am living for other loves like Jackie Hill Perry described. I'm living for other loves as we all can and do. Realize what she realized. No other love can love you eternally. 
Realize that you're living for lesser loves, not his greater love that you could enjoy. Realize that every other love, if loved more than God, will separate you from true love forever. See your need. This infinite ocean of love is for you. Or maybe like me, you at times lose sight of this love. You call yourself a Christian and that's good, but you forget how great this love really is. Friends, acknowledge your need as well. Acknowledge that you and I, left to ourselves, deserved judgment. But the Father set his love upon you. The Son came to rescue you. And the Spirit has opened your heart to believe. To believe that in this one person with two natures is your prophet, priest, and king. Your Savior. Come. Because the love you most need is the love come at Christmas. I'd like to pray for us and encourage you to take a moment in the silence of your own heart to pray. The music team's going to come back. And in a moment, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. We hadn't actually planned on it because normally Christmas Eve we don't, but it's Christmas Eve morning. And there was a request to celebrate the Lord's Supper, and it's hard to say no to that as a pastor. No, we won't do the Lord's Supper. So we're going to. But I want to give you a moment to interact with God yourself, to acknowledge your need, and to receive this love. So would you pray with me, please? And if you would say, I have not yet known this love, acknowledge your need. All you need is need. Are you needy? Acknowledge that to God in the silence of your heart. Have you been living for other loves as we all can do? Don't let lesser loves separate you from true love. Acknowledge your need to him right now. Or if you've just lost sight of this love and you need the Spirit's help to behold it once again, let's cry out to him together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for this good news of great joy that is for all people. For unto us is born in the city of David a Savior is Christ, the Lord. Would you help us now, Spirit of God, to behold your love, 
The love we find here in the baby born at Christmas to be our prophet, priest, and king and rescue us. We thank you for so great a love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Grace Church East County. Please find us online at gracechurcheast.org if you would like to find out more about us.